Today, on Commitment to Truth. You see, when a man or a woman, young or old, does what is good and what is right, when a man or woman begin to realize that, you know what, um, I'm going to seek the Lord in everything that I do. Man or woman who begins to say, you know what, there's no other option. It's simply saying, God, the battle's not mine. It's yours. Why? Because that's God. Because he's there to fight for you and for me. If we let him. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. So we're continuing a sermon series I've entitled for you, uh, Complete Hearts, Complete Hearts. And the purpose is this, is to encourage the body of Christ to examine their individual hearts so that they may develop and sustain a heart that is completely the Lord's. Now, as we've been discovering and uncovering as followers of Jesus Christ, it's very easy for any one of us to follow after, rely upon anyone else or anything else other than the Lord himself. This is especially true when we are going through distressed situations uh, relationally and are physically, emotionally, right? The tendency is to deviate from the very one who has rescued us in times past. Uh, in other words, God has helped us then. He can also help us today, right? But for whatever, again, instinctively we figure, well, let me help God out or let me try a different route, a different resource, if you would, other than the God of this, of all creation, and again, we, we, we find ourselves in these moments that we, we want answers now, right? We want solutions today, and then we quickly abandon the one who is completely reliable, who has remained the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, so we've been uncovering the life of Asa, King Asa, and we've come to the place that we realize that he has the same problem. Uh, especially when God delivered him uh, from his opposition of a million men, a million man army coming after him with 300 chariots and God annihilated them. But yet, a few years later, Asa is up against, uh, again, this need to be protected and rescued, if you would. But this time around, he chooses to rely upon a neighboring king right, other than the king of kings, right, that has delivered him and rescued him beyond measure. The challenge in all of this is, is that Asa's heart, we learned last week, right, right, that his heart began completely the Lord's. Then over time, as he began to gain resources, gain power, gain privilege, his heart began to wander, if you would, and become divided and didn't remain completely the Lord's. And that's so synonymous with our lives. We could start our relationship with Christ, just fired up, totally committed to him, right? Solely focused on him. We gain a little power, gain a little resource, 
right? Our bank accounts grow a little bit and we begin to have some social responsibility and authority and then we begin to uh, deviate from the one who gave it to us all, who gave it all to us. Uh, so our goal is to, to really extract some learning from Ace's life, you know, what, uh, what the successes were, what the uh, failures were in his life so that we, we don't repeat them, but we learn from them and grow from them. And that's why if you look at 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, which is our foundational scripture, we should learn from this from the prophet Hanani spoke, speaking to Asa then. It says, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So the God of all the world wants to say, hey, hey Cedric, I want to support you. But there's one caveat. Your heart has to be completely mine. Right? And that's, that's so appropriate for any relationship, right? Right? In any relationship, you, you're about to get married and you won't necessarily give your heart completely to someone if they haven't done what? At least you feel that they haven't done what? Giving you their heart first or at the same time, right? That's what marriage vows are for. That's why you commit to, I will do X, Y, Z. It's really exposing your heart and your commitment towards the other person. So therefore, this goal is, I've given you my heart, therefore you what? Give me your heart. Well, guess what Jesus did? He gave us more than his heart. He gave it all to us. And guess what he deserves? All of our hearts. Two key words in this verse. The word heart means this inner man, this mind, will, and soul. In other words, that's that immaterial part of us, that part that controls our emotions, our passions, our desires. It gets us up in the morning, keeps us up at night, right? It, it, you, know, you don't have to be motivated to do it because it's the motivation is already on the inside. It's, where, it's that immaterial part that, again, God only God sees, no one else sees. It, it's not... How do I word it? It's not fake. Right? Because remember God said to the children of Israel, you serve me with your lips, you honor with your lips, but your heart is what? It's divided. So you could do all the good Christian stuff on the outside, quote the verses, right? And, and know the Bible upside down and inside out. And for the record, Satan knows it better than all of us, right? But our heart can be what? Completely away from the Lord. So in this series, we identifying three truths. The first we covered last week, how does one's heart become divided, right? Starting with a complete heart, all in with God, and then over time, drifting. How do we identify this heart that somehow becomes divided? And today we're going to uh, identify the first four of eight answers to this question. How do we develop and sustain a complete heart? So how do we get there and have that complete heart and stay there? And lastly, the last question we're going to answer in this series is, what are some benefits of a complete heart? Right? So if you could turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 1 through 15, and what we're going to do now is we're going to now look back on Asa's life. We're going to look back on Asa's life and say, okay, well, this is how Asa started. This is when he was in that sweet spot with the Lord. So that we can identify, okay, well, th this is where we should be, and this is what we need to develop in our own hearts, and this is what we need, we need to stay with and not stop doing it until we see them face to face. Amen.
Now, as you turn in there, just a, a side note to affirm how Asa's heart was completely the Lord, you can jot down this side verse. It's 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 14, which says, Asa's heart was holy, W-H-O-L-L, devoted to the Lord all of his days. Then something went wrong. 2 Chronicles chapter 14, beginning with verses 1 through 5, is our first answer or the first of our eight ways to develop and sustain a complete heart. It says this, so Abijah lay down with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David and his, and his son Asa became king in his place. The land was undisturbed for 10 years during his Days. Think about that. Think about living life undisturbed. <laughs> undisturbed by anything. Just fill in the blank. Undisturbed. Then it says, and Asa did what is good and right in the sight of the Lord, his God, for he removed the foreign altars and high places. He tore down the memorial stones, cut down the Asherahs. And commanded Judah, so he not only did it, but then he's commanding everyone else around him that under his authority, right, under his leadership, to seek the Lord of their fathers and to comply with the law and the commandments. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was, again, undisturbed under him. It's the first thing that that we, you and I must begin to do if we want to develop and sustain a heart that's completely the Lord's. We got to start doing what's good and what's right. Sounds basic, sounds trivial to some, but do what's good and what's right and don't stop doing what's good and what's right. Now, here's the, here's the tricky part. Some of us probably need to start doing good and right, right? And some of us can grow weary of doing what? Good and right. Make sense? There's always that scale in the body of Christ is that you know you should start doing good and right there. You know, because how many times God's going to tell you to do good and right there? But then some of us, God is affirming us and saying, hey, just keep doing good and right. Just keep doing it. Don't quit. But let's go deeper. The word good means this. Don't stop being well-pleasing. Don't stop being fruitful. Don't start, stop being morally correct. Don't stop bearing fruit of righteousness. Don't stop desiring to please God. Understand that it's about pleasing God rather than man. Do what's morally correct. Then the word right means this, do what is just. Right in an ethical or an emotional sense. Did I hear that? So you can, collab you can collaborate all of those and, and, and simply kind of say it this way. Don't stop doing what you know on the inside and don't stop doing what you know on the outside and don't stop doing what you know that it's spiritual, and don't stop doing what you know what is emotionally correct or acting emotionally proper. 
Because you know, and as well as I do, all we need is the right person in the right situation that someone begins to do something and trigger something in our lives, and then we, we flip an emotional switch. And then we don't do what is right emotionally. Our, our emotions, you can say it this way, begin to do what? Get the best of us. Now, these two doing good and what's right should lead to this behavior. Remember what happened with Asa? He began to get rid of everything around him that wasn't of God. Or you can say this. Okay, you can, you can do what's good and what's right, but if it's time to make a decision to remove sin in the camp or get rid of or tear down or burn and or remove anything that is a gateway to sin or has a history of sin, or has any relationship to sin, or you can say it this way, anything that would ever tempt you to fall into idolatry, making God second place, or anything that you're doing that is making God second place. Get rid of it. The word remove here means this, to depart. So there's this, I see it in front of me. Let me what? Leave from it. Well, the scripture says what? Bad company corrupts what? So why am I still there with bad company? Depart from it. Because the bad company is going to cause you to do bad and what's wrong. Depart from it. The, the word also means this, to be avoid, to reject, or it also means to depose. Now, listen to what the word depose means this. It means to remove from the office suddenly or forcefully. So what it's saying to you and I is this, is that there are people and things that will begin to hold office in your heart. What does that mean? They began to dethrone God. We went through this whole bit of chaotic political campaign. Some of you have seen some of the commercials. Well, you know why? I will say anything, do anything to hold office in your heart. I would degrade, you know, all of my opponents. Why? Because I want your vote. And do you realize that's what Satan is saying to you and I, is that I want to hold office in your life. I want to hold office in your family. I want to hold office in, right, in your marriage. I want to hold office in every area of your life. I want to be in charge. The caution even in marriage and even family context is, is this is so crucial to understand. Why? It's because... Always say to couples, especially if they newlyweds and are going through turbulent times, is where is your spouse in your heart? Have you allowed your spouse to dethrone Jesus? Conflict 101. Same thing. Mother wants children. Oh, Lord, parent, dad wants a child. And then guess what? Child comes and guess what happens? The child begins to dethrone. Jesus in your heart.
we are responsible to remove from office suddenly and forcefully anything that is not the Lord in our lives. Do good and what is right. But we can't grow weary in doing this. And that's why Galatians 6 verse 9 says this. Let, let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And here's the cool thing. We don't grow weary. We do what's right. And God becomes our shield. So many times we feel as though I do good. I do it right. I'm going to be out there by myself. Never. If you're doing good, if you're doing right, you're never alone. Proverbs 2, 7 and 8 says this. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice, he watches over the way of the godly ones. God will be a shield. He will protect you. But the responsibility in our part is what? To do what's good and what's right. And then God will step in and do what? Protect us. Amen? Secondly, we find in verse number 7, again, we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Verse 7, it says, For he said to Judah, Let's build these cities and surround them with walls and towers and gates and bars. The land is still ours because we what? Have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So we seek him, we sought him, and he does what? Gives us rest. So second uh, challenge we face is this, is that in, in our living and doing life, we cannot stop seeking the Lord. Doing good, doing right, and never, never, ever, ever stop seeking the Lord. The word sought here means this, to resort to. In other words, no matter how difficult, complex, unfair, unjust, you know, painful life gets, I cannot resort to anyone or anything else other than the Lord. The word salt also goes on to be defined this way, to resort to in prayer and in worship and also to consult him. Again, our human sinful tendency, going gets tough, I resort to calling mama, Daddy, friend, pastor, whomever, but whoever you call, if, if they themselves are not pointing you back to seeking God, you're relying on the wrong person. Yes, God will, mothers, God will allow you, you know, your, your children, no matter how old they get, to kiss that boo-boo and just love on them. And, oh, yeah, mama's here. You can call mama anytime for anything. But mama's listen very closely. If the end game is not getting on your knees and consulting God for your children, you have become God to your children. The end game in any relationship, you can be a close, tight group friendship. And if it's only tight because you just 
wants someone to lean on in times of trouble, that's not good enough. At the end of the day, relationships in the body of Christ should ultimately be in place. Yeah, friendship, fellowship, that's so cool. But if it's not helping you and I to resort to Christ more frequently, how healthy is the relationship? We must become a seeking generation. Psalm 24, verse 6 says it this way. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. God, we seek your face. We resort to, we pray and we worship you and we consult you. Can you imagine if we become a generation that says, God, my ultimate goal is to seek you in everything. That should be the generation. That should should be what a father is is trying to nurture his children. That should be what a mother should be trying to pour into her her children. That should should be what a church exists for is that can we become a church that ultimately is seeking the Lord with all of its heart, soul, mind, and strength. seeking them in prayer, seeking them in worship? Do we just gather just to sing kumbaya, right? Do we just gather just to feel good and and, and feel warm and fuzzy? Or, Or yes, we're seeking after you, then I what? Feel warm and fuzzy. Because that's part of it, right? That's part of, you know, the relationship with the Lord. That's part of any relationship, right? But if in the relationship is all about feeling warm and fuzzy, the relationship collapses. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega, and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org. Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. Everybody, this is Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church with another Weekly Wire. Have you ever found yourself needing to fight for yourself, both privately and publicly? Maybe you're fighting against your husband, fighting against your wife, fighting against other family members, children against parents, parents against children, fighting on the job for position and prestige and, and, and getting your way or promotion or whatever it may be, right? Or maybe even fighting publicly and as you look around, you're just angry and frustrated about what is happening and you feel as though you need to fight for this. Well, listen, the scripture says this to us with a precious promise. It says, the Lord will contend with those who contend with us and he will fight against those who fight against us. So at the end of the day, we need not fight for anything. That God is our defender because he goes on to say, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of a righteous God. Now, listen, I know if someone falls in my hands, I probably give them uh, probably more than they deserve. But the righteous God, the righteous, just God will give them exactly what they need. We hope you enjoyed this sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit www.loveallnations.org. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, 
Or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.